something beautiful about young people's prayers, isn't it? Dear God, I went to this wedding and they were kissing right there in church. Is that okay? Dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. Dear God, my grandpa says that you were around when he was a little boy. So just how far back do you go? Dear God, I heard that the moon was made of cheese. Tonight, half of it is missing. Did you get hungry? The prayers, the innocence of young people. Why pray? We've been looking together, we started last week. Why pray? God knows our thoughts before they're even there. He knows our words before we're going to speak them out. So why? Why tell him what he already knows? Well, last week we reminded ourselves that it's because of our, it's good to remind us of our dependency on God. We pray because that puts us in the right position in our relationship with God. God, I need you. I give you all of the glory. I believe in you. God, you're the one that can break every chain in my life, as we've just sung. But there's a second reason why we pray. And that's because unless we have effective communication with God, our relationship will never grow. It's kind of obvious. But I just want to look at that for a few moments today. Unless we have effective communication with God, our relationship never grows. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Rejoice always. Let me just find it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Rejoice or be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Communicate continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And in James chapter 5 verse 16 it says the prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. And that is what we want in our lives. 
not just to say, yeah, I pray, but that our prayers might be effective and powerful. So what kind of communication do we need with God to make our relationship grow? Well, turn in your Bibles today to Daniel chapter 6. Love the book of Daniel. So many stories that we learn when we're little, and they're just powerful stories. Daniel chapter 6, here, here he is. He's, Darius has just become king. And it says, It pleased Darius to appoint 122 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel, because Daniel had already, uh, already kind of risen up in, in fame. People recognized the hand of God in Daniel. And so one of the three leaders over all these different regional kind of bosses was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Pride got in, jealousy got in. And they didn't like the fact that Daniel was favored favored by God, and they saw how effective Daniel was. They said, we need to pull him down so that he might not be above us. But it says they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went in a, as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce this decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Remember the story now? Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be annulled. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asked God for help and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any God or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be annulled. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, 
Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. Let's leave it there for a minute. So how do we have effective communication with God? Let me read you a nursery rhyme, see if you know this one. Scintillate, scintillate, globule vivific. Fain would I fathom thy nature specific. Loftily poised in the ether capacious, strongly resembling a gem carbonaceous. Do you know that nursery rhyme? You do? What is it? You know it. It's not mirror, mirror on the wall. Is twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high like a diamond in the sky. You know, the first thing we need to do with effective communication with God is to speak to God as a real person. You know, when my wife comes home from work on a Monday night, she's tired. And I'm there and I see her coming down the street and I'm already at home. I do not open the door and go, oh great and glorious female, how majestic you really are. Forsooth, I saw you coming from distance. Come into my abode. No, I say, hi, how was your day? I don't get why some people, when they talk to God, their language suddenly goes into a different realm. When was the last time you said forsooth to anybody? It doesn't happen. And yet, here we are with God, and we use this kind of language. We talk to God as a real person. Hi, God. It's me again. Isn't that what Jesus said? How do you pray? Abba, Daddy. Daddy, let me share with you. Daddy, let me tell you about what's going on. And when we talk to God, the first thing we need to do is just talk as though God is right there. He's a real person. Yes, there's the respect And the love that we give God because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But God said, I want that intimacy with you. I am close to you. So talk to me. Just share with me as though I'm right here with you. I heard about a guy that was in hospital and a pastor went to see him. The guy said, I've lost my faith. I don't know how to pray. And the pastor thought for a moment, and he pulled the chair over next to the the bed, 
The guy was dying of cancer. And he said, imagine God is sitting right here in this chair. Just talk to him. Just share with him. Speak to him. He's right there. He's sitting there. Talk to him. And about two or three days later, the pastor got a phone call from the hospital and they said, you know the guy you came coming to see, he passed away. But he said, the strangest thing, strangest thing, he said, when we found him in his bed, he had his hand out of his bed resting on the chair. And it was just like he was holding someone's hand. That's how you pray. Because God is right there with us. He's, he's here in our midst. The new covenant said he's, he's living inside of us. We talk to him. We communicate with him. Because he's real. He's here. You don't need any different language. It's morning, Lord. Thank you for a good night's sleep. Lord, thank you for, you know, you just talk. And share. Think about this as well. You know when you're talking to someone else, you don't always talk in the same language. You don't always say the same things, do you? You, you use different kind of language depending on who you're talking to, depending on the situation. And that's the same with God. Sometimes when I'm asking God, sometimes I'm angry at God. Forsooth, Lord, I'm really angry with you right now. No. What do you think you're doing? Get angry. It's fine. God's got broad shoulders. He can handle it. Look at the Psalms. Aren't the Psalms amazing? They're amazing because there's so variety. Sometimes David's angry. Sometimes he's crying. Sometimes he's praising. Sometimes he's... He's struggling in the deepest, darkest place, and he doesn't know if he's going to get out again. All kinds of language used, all kinds of emotion poured in. And said in different ways, it's because he's in different situations. He's talking to God as a real person. God is real. And in your prayers, imagine him sitting right there. Just talk. Talk to him. Isn't that what Daniel did? Verse 10. What did he do? He learned that the decree happened. What's the first thing he does? He goes home to his upstairs room where the windows open towards Jerusalem. And as usual, like three times a day, he goes there and he kneels down and he talks to his father. Because he knew who God is. He has that relationship. Second thing he does is he talks often. It's going to work. Hit the down arrow. Is that going to work? No. No, never mind. Second thing he does is he talks often with God. It says three times a day, Daniel went and spoke. Made it his habit to go and speak over and over again. In fact, everybody knew, didn't they, that he did it. 
Because the others went, you know what? I know where Daniel's going to be. I know where we're going to catch him. He's going to be there where he always is, talking and sharing. Let's just go. He's going to be there, regular as clockwork. Keep talking. You know, on Friday, I went out to, into London with Enika. We had to go do something, and then we wandered around London, and we, uh, we just chatted the whole day. You just talk. Oh, there we go. Use normal language. Second one. Talk often. Wonderful. You know, we, we just chatted the whole day. Sometimes we were chatting by going, hey, look at that. I haven't seen that before. Sometimes we were just chatting, going like we went across the Millennium Bridge and you stand in the middle there and it was a beautiful day on Friday and we could see Tower Bridge and we were just looking and chatting and chilling. And Sometimes you people watch because we all know that we shouldn't, but it's really fun. So we were there going, ah, look at that person. You know, oh, look, that kid's, you know, there was a classic. This, this mother was on the Millennium Bridge, right? She's pushing this kid in, her, in the pushchair. And obviously the kid's legs were kind of dangling down a bit. And she did what every, every mother does. She said, if, if, if you don't lift those feet up of yours and put them on the little thing, I'm going to cut them off. And then you'll never be able to walk again. What do you think the kid did? Absolutely nothing. He, she knew that she wasn't going to, I'm not going to cut my feet up. Idle threats. But we were chatting about that. Took us back to when we were, you know, when our kids were small. Do you remember what we used to say? And you talk and you chat. And you include everything in the day. And sometimes we sat down and we had a cup of coffee and we talked deeper about some things. That's what prayer is. 1 Thessalonians, it says pray continually somebody asked me recently how often do you pray I said I pray all the time because God is with me all the time when I'm there I'm just chatting to God hey Lord you know this morning six o'clock hey Lord I could do with some help today putting this sermon together can you help me out here otherwise it's going to be a really short service I'll be just Sanjay sing again sing again sing again and you just talk and share and sometimes that talking is deeper and it's and it's more focused sometimes it's just chit-chatting with God and saying hey Lord look at that isn't that cool hey look at that Lord oh this is fantastic this is beautiful thank you talk often with God you want your relationship to grow it's about Sharing it all. Sometimes we get into the habit, don't we, when we pray. We just come down and go, okay, God, I've got like two minutes, two minutes in my schedule now. I'm going to talk to you now, right? So you better be listening because I've only got these two minutes. Okay, it's one and a half now because I've kind of wasted half just getting your attention, even though you're already. Lord, there's uh, five things I need you to do. Five? Okay, thank you very much, and I'm out of here. Good, I've prayed. I've done my prayers for the day. That's not praying, is it? Imagine if I did that with Enika. Now, there's five things I need from you today. And that's it. That's all we ever talk about. What kind of relationship is that? It wouldn't go anywhere. You wouldn't grow. You grow by spending that time talking often together, just as Daniel did. He prayed. 
and prayed and prayed. Why was he rescued? We'll get to that in a bit. Because he had that wealth of communication with his heavenly father. Why was he not worried about going and praying? Because he knew where he trusted. Because he, it was regular in his life. And the third thing is this. Again, from that same verse. Don't treat God as the last resort. How many of us struggle and struggle and struggle with something and then when we finally give up, we go, okay, God, you better come and sort this out now. I've given it my best shot. Now sort it out. How often do we do that? It's like, it's like God is like the AA. You know, your car breaks down, you fiddle around with it, you try and connect to everything and you go, no, it's not working. What's going on? What's going on? I can fix this. So you get yourself all dirty and greasy and you're banging around in there. I definitely can fix this. I've done it before. Nothing. So what do you do in desperation? You phone the AA. God is not the AA, right? He's not last resort where, where you can't do something and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried. And finally, God, I can't do this. Now you take over and fix my problems because I can't do it. Daniel, the first thing he does is pray. He doesn't go back there and say, oh, Lord, like, this is what's happened. I don't know what to do. How are we going to fix this? Lord, you come in and fix it right now. No. He says he went back there and he gave thanks to God. It was his regular thing, praying all the time. God is not just a last resort, a safety net for us. A relationship will never grow that way. If all you ever do is dive in when you've got no other options. You imagine. You imagine if, uh, if you're dating someone. And they phone you up and say, do you want to go out tonight? And you go, mm, nah, not tonight. Got a better option. Football's on. What about tomorrow? Nah, no, nah, not tomorrow. EastEnders tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday? Yeah, let me just check. No, there's no football on Tuesday. No. Um, all right, can't think of anything better to do. I may as well go out with you. How long do you think you're going to be going out with that person? I don't recommend you try it and test it out to see. But sometimes, don't we treat God like that? We kind of go, yeah, God, I'm kind of, you know, I got, I'm, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And it's only there where it fits into our schedule where it's a kind of last resort that we finally go to God. Lord, I can't manage it. I need your help again. Please, sort it out. It's the story of the people of Israel, isn't it? God, we need you. We haven't got any food. Send food. God sends food. Thanks very much. We'll get back to you when we have another need. Lord, we're fed up with bread. All right, I'll send you some beef. So he sends in the birds, Nando's, and it comes. Lord, we're fed up with that, and we don't like the water. We want different kind of water. Send it. So he sends them water. Oh, Lord, we don't like it out here. It's too hot. Rather be back in Egypt. And they just kind of, 
Go away from God, come back to God. Go away from God, come back to God. And they only come back to God when they want something. Last resort, don't do it. It doesn't grow a relationship at all. I'm surprised that God is so gracious and he actually comes back to us when we treat him that way. Fourth thing is this. Again in verse 10, it says, Now Daniel learned that the decree had been published, and he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. You need to share with God your joys as well as your challenges. He asks God for help, verse 11, but he also gives thanks to God. 1 Thessalonians again, 5, 19. Rejoice, pray, give thanks in all circumstances. We need to share our joys with God. Do you remember in Luke 17, it's the story of the 10 lepers. They come to him. Jesus heals them. They all go away. One comes back. And he goes, well, where, where were the rest? Didn't I heal 10? Can I not count? There's only one come back and gives thanks. How many times do we go to God when we have needs, but never go to God when, we were, when we're thankful? Give thanks in all circumstances. God wants to share everything with you. It's just like any relationship. If I just, I'm going to pick on my wife all day today. But like, if I just spoke to Enika and said, you know, just, there's, oh, there's, there's a problem here, there's a problem here, and there's a problem. she go like, go see the doctor. You're like, you're depressed. You know, part of a relationship is sharing the joy as well. Oh, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this fantastic? Isn't this wonderful? And through that, you encourage one another and you build one another up. God doesn't just want to hear all your problems. He wants to hear all your joys as well. Daniel goes, and even though he's got this responsible position with all the challenges, what does he do? It says he goes and gives thanks to God. Every day, three times a day, he gives thanks. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I'm in exile. I don't want to be here. I'd rather be back in Jerusalem. I'd rather not have to face Jerusalem from a zillion miles away, but I'm going to give thanks anyway. I don't really want to be here, but I thank you, Lord, that you're looking after us. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that your spirit is still moving. I thank you that you have raised even people from Judah up into positions. I thank you for what you've done, the way you've witnessed to who you are in this foreign country. He gives thanks in all circumstances. And that's what God wants us to do too. Share those joys with him. The first thing that should be on your lips when something good happens is, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for just doing that. Oh, that's just brilliant. Love it. Wonderful. Thank you. Number five. It says here, so the king gave an order, verse 16, and brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Stone was brought and placed over the mouth, and then they went away. It said, verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. 
When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. May my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Cheery story, isn't it, really? But The fifth thing is this. Take time to communicate. Listen and share. How much prayer do you think Daniel did that night? It doesn't say. Do you think he just dozed off? You think it was like, oh, this is kind of like a travel lodge. I'm sure he, he sat there all night with his eyes wide open, even though it was dark, going movement Lord what are you doing what are you doing Lord keep your angels there I bet he he spoke and he shared with God all night I would have done with you he was there sharing and listening and it's both and isn't it you have to listen to God's voice God said I'm going to send an angel and I'm going to shut the, the mouths of the lions up Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to keep praising you all night long. I'm going to praise you. I'm, I'm going to rake up every song I've ever heard Ronnie sing. I'm just going to keep remembering them and singing them. Just don't move that angel. Just leave him there. Keep those lions away. We have to take time both to share but also to listen. Daniel was someone who listened to the voice of God. You know, in Daniel's story, the amazing thing about all those visions that he, that he had, it's because he knew how to listen to the voice of God. God spoke to him and he was able to share that with others. And I'm sure there in the lion's den, though it doesn't say, he was there listening to the voice of God saying, Daniel, don't worry. I've got this covered. These lions will just do what I tell them to do. Don't be afraid trust and Daniel was able to just stay there listening to the voice of God we need to develop that we need to listen learn how to listen to the voice of God I heard about a, a Broadway producer called Jed Harris came convinced one day that he was losing his hearing and so he went to a specialist and the specialist pulled out a gold watch and he said can you hear this and he held it up he went, yeah, I can hear the tick-tock. So then he walked over to the door. He said, you stay there. Now, can you hear it over here? And he listened carefully. He went, yeah, I can still hear it. And then he left and he went out into the next room. And he said, can you still hear it? Can you hear it now? And Jed said, yeah, I can still hear the tick-tock, tick-tock. He said, there's nothing wrong with your hearing, but you've got a problem with your listening. That's the issue. There's nothing wrong with our hearing from God, but there's sometimes something so wrong with our listening. 
God wants to speak into our lives. He doesn't just want us to just to give everything to Him. He wants to speak into your life as well. He wants you to sit there, be still, and know that I am God. You know, right throughout the pages of Scripture, there are men and women who heard the voice of God. And that's not unusual. Every one of us, God wants to speak so that we can hear. Every single one of us. It's not just the the kind of the, the heroes of our faith that God speaks to. Each one of us, God said, I'm going to put a new covenant. I'm going to be with you. No longer will anyone have to teach you because you will know me. Why? Because I'll be inside of you. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will speak to you directly. And each one of us, God wants to speak to, but we have to take time to tune in and listen. And sometimes that's really hard because there's so much bombarding our heads. And we have to just stop, put on some worship music like Ronnie's playing, just, just quiet, meditative music. And just listen and be still and say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. I'm listening. Sometimes I just come in here because it's quiet. And this is his house. And I sit there and I say, Lord, I need to hear from you again. Let me just wait. I'm not going until you talk to me. Sometimes we have to be really stubborn. You know that? Lord, I'm not leaving here till you've spoken to me. Now speak. Your servant's listening. And he talks. He talks so you can hear him. You hear it in your voice, that voice inside of you. And the more you learn to listen, the more you learn to recognize his voice inside of you. You learn to to hear it and you say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for those ideas. Thank you for those thoughts. Thank Thank you for what you're saying to me. Sometimes it's just, David, I love you so much. Let me just speak about what I think of you. Sometimes it's, David, I want you to do this. Go do it. Are you sure? Yep. Go do it. Sometimes it's, Lord, what about this person that's struggling can you heal them? Can you, David, this is what I'm going to do. Or David, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do in their life, but keep praying anyway. He longs to speak to us, but we have to listen. We have to take that time to listen to him. Share with him, yes, but listen to him as well. Daniel, as you read the whole book of Daniel, was a guy that learned how to listen to the voice of God. Sixth thing is this, base your prayers on the character and promises of God. This is key. It doesn't really come out of here, but it comes out of the character of God. In verse 22, he says, my God sent an angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I have found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. You base your prayers. This is why we need to know the Word of God. God has given us in His Word His character. This is what He's like. You want to know what God is like? Read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That is what God is like. Some of it I really, really like, and I think, oh, that's beautiful. 
other bits I struggle with, honestly. Why do all the wives and the children have to get thrown in the lion's den and die with those guys? That's not fair, is it? Why is that in there? Some of these other things, you kind of like, but God, this is what God is like. This is who God is. And as you read his word, as you allow it to take root in your life, you, you understand the character of God more and more. And that's what it means when we pray in the name of Jesus. When you pray in his name, you're praying in accordance with the character and the promises of Jesus Christ. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock and the door's going to be open. Ask anything in my name and I will do it in my name. So if you pray in the character and you pray on the promises of Jesus, you know that he is going to answer those prayers. It's a given. He's promised it. The problem is that so often we either don't know the character of Jesus, we have this kind of Christianized character of Jesus that's more like a care bear than anything else. And we think that's, that's I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus and we use it as a kind of a, just a, a little saying at the end, in Jesus' name, amen. In other words, you better do it, Jesus. I want an Audi TT in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's not in the name of Jesus. Jesus is going, David, you don't need an Audi TT. You've got a Ford Focus and it runs perfectly fine. An Audi TT will just ground itself over every single hump outside your house. You know, you don't need it. Stop praying for it because you're not praying in the name of Jesus. But when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying in the character and the promises of Jesus. The strongest prayers that you pray. Lord, you promised in your word this. I'm claiming that promise. Lord, your word says this. It's what Jesus did in the wilderness, isn't it? When Satan came and tempted him, what did he use? He is He is God. He is in Jesus' name, in my name, like in his name. But he said, no, I'm going to claim the promises of God. The word of God will stand against Satan. The word says this. The word says this. The word says this. And as we know the word better and better and better, so as we learn it, as we allow the word to come inside of us and be part of us, we not only know more of the character of God, but we have more of the Word of God inside of us ready to be used in every situation we find ourselves in. So when somebody comes to you or you're in a situation and you need to pray in that situation, you can immediately recall promises of God that meets that situation. And you say, I'm going I'm to use this verse. I don't know where it is, but I know this is true. I know this is a promise. And I'm going to use it in this situation. And that's how God wants us to pray. Trusting in his promises, trusting in his character. We need to know him. That's why we have our Bible studies. That's why we have our tag groups, so that we can get together and know him more and more. And lastly, this, believe in the answers. Daniel believed in God. The whole story of Daniel, isn't it? Remember when they were put in the fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, our God's going to save us, but even if he doesn't, we don't really care. But we know. 
we trust him. Here it says, even King Darius came down and said, you know, you're a guy who trusts in God. May your God who you serve continually rescue you. Daniel trusted in God. He believed in God for the answers. And we need to do the same. In Matthew 9, we'll look at this as we continue this series another week. But Matthew 9, there's a wonderful story. Matthew 9 verse 27 says this. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he'd gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched his eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. And then he said, Don't tell anybody. And they went out and blabbed it all over the place. According to your faith, we have to believe in the answers that God is going to give to us. You know, God will always do what is best for you. Always. That is the core. That is what you hold on to above everything else. And that belief comes from that trust and that relationship in Jesus Christ. Because that trust comes from that growing relationship and intimacy. It's like a circle, isn't it? The more I pray, the more I read his word, the more I get to know who God is. The more I get to know Jesus. The more I get to know Jesus, the more I trust in him. And the more I open myself out to him because I trust him. And I trust that he's got my best in his heart. And as I trust him more, so it encourages me more to get into his word and to pray to him and open myself up to him to even more. And then it goes back to even more relationship, more trust. And so it carries on growing deeper and deeper and deeper until we, we grow closer and closer together. Or I go closer and closer to God. Trust him for the answers. Daniel did that in this amazing story. And God rescued him and kept him safe. And God wants to do that in your life and mine too. And one last thing. Encourage others. Okay, one more. Spend time encouraging others to pray. You know, relationships take time and commitment. Those two things. If you don't give a relationship any time, it's never going to grow. You know that. You've got relationships with people that you see maybe once a year. They stay at a certain level. Nice when you see them. You come together, you say hi, have a nice evening together, go away. Never really grows, but it's cool. But you've got other relationships that you pour time and energy into. They grow. They get deeper. But only when there's commitment from both sides. Where there's commitment, the relationship can grow. Sometimes where you get towards divorce and so on, it's because one side has given up the commitment. They may be together, but there's no commitment there. And when there's no commitment, the relationship stagnates. There's nothing you can do. It's when two people have that commitment and are putting that time in together, there is growth. And it's exactly the same in our relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants your time 
every moment of your day, just talk to him, share with him. At work, at home, you got, you're at work, something difficult lands on your desk or something easy. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, like I'm tired. Give me some strength. Lord, this is the best day I've had for ages. Thank you so much. Lord, just bring someone to me today that I can encourage. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for work. Thank you for being here with me. You can just do it in your head when you're commuting to work or coming home again. Brilliant time to spend time praying. As long as you don't keep your eyes shut and miss your station. But then you get a little bit longer to pray anyway, so it's cool. You know, but it's that commitment from us. God is committed. He's the prodigal father waiting for us all the time. But what about our commitment to him? You want to grow deeper in God? Make that commitment. You want to be effective for God? It requires your time and your commitment. You see, God has given us everything we need to grow deep in him. He's given us himself. He's given us his forgiveness on the cross. He said, I'm here. I'm going to give you every time that you need. I'm going to give you all of my commitment to you. Come to me. I will give you everything. He's given us his word to understand him better. He's given us his Holy Spirit to help us to pray when we don't know how to do it. He said, I'm going to give you a teacher, a Holy Spirit that's going to teach you how to pray deeper and deeper. I've given you everything. All I'm asking from you is your time and your commitment. If you want to be powerful and effective for God, you need to be a warrior in prayer. You need to allow prayer to be part of your everyday life. Not just a five minute or a 10 minute or even a half an hour slot, but just make it part of who you are. Talk to God all the time, whatever you're doing. So you talk to him whether you're out playing golf or you're doing the dishes at home or you're watching the football or you're talking to someone else or before you go to sleep, first thing when you wake up in the morning, whatever you're doing, you're just chatting to God the whole time. Lord, thank you. And if you feel weary, if you feel like, Lord, today I'm not where I should be, then let's just pray for one another. Encourage one another. Lord Jesus, we want to be deeper in you. Lord, purify our hearts. Make us holy. Take away from us anything that may stop relationship with you from growing. Lord, today we recommit ourselves to you. Because we are your army. We are your ambassadors. And Lord, we need to have that close connection with you. So Lord, deepen our relationship as we go through this series, as we think about prayer, as we focus on it, may not just be on one hour on a Sunday, but Lord, that we would just learn, teach us how to pray. 
how to listen to you, how to hear your voice speaking into our lives, how to share with you the most intimate thoughts that we have. Grow our trust that we may be powerful and effective for you. Lord, we thank you for the example of Daniel, of Jesus, of many others. May we be strong in prayer for you. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.